What up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 46 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much in advance for listening to this episode. And it is a random rant episode, which is not going to be focused on the free writing like we normally do on here or any of that jazz. Just going to go over a few things, which include the following. In this episode, I speak about John Bones Jones is recent return to the octagon in ufc 197 and his upcoming rematch with daniel cormier to unify the title the late heavyweight title in the ufc uh conor mcgregor's recent quote-unquote power play uh and uh, negotiations with the ufc executives and a few tv shows and movies that i've recently watched uh being house of cards on netflix better call saul on amc barbershop 3 Deadpool and concussion. So stick around if you want to hear me randomly rant. See what I did there about those things. So first off, John Bones Jones back in the UFC. Glad to see him back after I think like a year without fighting. Um, I've you know anybody who listens to this episode and is remotely a fan of the UFC knows that. Uh, well, aside from the fact that I've mentioned it in the past. John Bones Jones is probably pound for pound the best fighter ever. And, uh, or the 100% top three, top two, even. Um, and very, very, very arguably uh, the best fighter ever. Ne- next to the likes of like a GSP or Anderson Silva in his prime. And uh, uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, absolutely. Uh, he's definitely one of those who's uh, just skill level and martial arts abilities and, and just precision and movement and stuff like that are, are like super on point. And John Bones Jones is one of those dudes. And um, but he's a younger guy. He got into like uh, trouble with drugs. No, no like performance enhancing shit. Uh, it was coke. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, driving drunk and, like, stuff like that. I got a couple of D- DUIs, like, crazy shit like that. I wound up getting into a car accident where he, according to him, he went through a red light um, or a car hit him from behind. Some, no, I think I'm mixing that story up with the fucking Bruce Jenner story. Um, he got into a car accident, basically, uh, which was his fault. And the car that he hit was a pregnant woman. Um, if I'm not mistaken, everybody was fine. But he did flee the scene. And according to him, he and then wound up coming back to get his wallet and then leave again. According to him, he was um, he had done coke or, or was drinking or something like that. And he wasn't, quote unquote, himself. Although that is probably a good depiction of what himself was at that point in time, at least. And he went back and just freaked out and um thought that it would be best to leave or whatever you know that's that's what he decided to do at that point in time so that said he got he wound up getting suspended from that from the ufc he had legal troubles and issues i don't think he got locked up locked up um i think he was like in a a jail or holding cell or something like that for a couple days but one of getting community service if i remember correctly don't call me on that though because i could be off but anyway back to the point he was not fighting in the ufc for like 
over for a year and recently came back in UFC 187. He was slated to fight for his belt because uh, he was a champion at this point in time uh, when he left. And he uh, was slated to fight Daniel Cormier, which he had beat once before. Daniel Cormier it was a very decorated Olympic wrestler. Uh, uh, I believe gold, gold, um, gold medal winning Olympic wrestler. Uh, and was undefeated in the UFC, or maybe bronze medal, I don't know, anyway, he was a fucking Olympic wrestler, and uh, he was undefeated in the UFC, many people said that he would be the guy to beat um, John Jones, uh, and he lost, John Jones actually out-wrestled him, which is weird, because he he does have a bit of a, a wrestling background, but nothing as, you know, to the levels of Daniel Cormier and um John Jones took him down a bunch of times and and pretty much dominated the entire fight and won in a if it was split I don't think it was split it was probably unanimous um but could have been a split decision but it did go to decision and um they have this very hateful rivalry between the two because Daniel Cormier is like the like the I don't want to say goody two-shoes but he plays into that role of goody two-shoes and um uh you know drugs are bad and be a role model for kids like that type type of thing and john jones obviously given his his uh colorful past i guess if you want to couch it that way um with drugs and alcohol and just duis and legal troubles and stuff like that um falls into the role of the bad guy but everybody likes john jones uh, because he's just such a dope fighter and so in interviews and stuff like that between the two it's like really fun to watch so anyway uh he beats uh john jones beats him handily and retains his title then goes through all this legal shit gets dropped from the ufc uh doesn't fight in a year in that time daniel cormier wins the uh interim belt uh, for the light heavyweight title so technically john jones has never lost his his title definitely not to 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 dc daniel cormier and daniel cormier in turn um is now the champion technically because john jones was out so on john jones's return in ufc 197 they were supposed to fight again but dc got hurt in training like um I forget what it was, something with his foot, but fucked up something with his foot, fractured something that was going to put him out for several weeks. And John Jones fought uh, OS, OSP, o- Ovis St. Pierre, um, which is the, I think, number six or seven ranked light heavyweight or something like that. Everybody was pretty much calling it a tune-up fight for John Jones since he's been out for a week. Uh, I'm sorry, for a year. And... Um, it was a fight that he should have won handily and he did win it he did dominate but not in like john jones fashion there were a couple moments there where osb caught him caught him good um with some hits but no he was never in any like real danger throughout the fight but it wasn't john jones is known also for like spectacular type finishes uh whether they be knockouts or um the way he beat my favorite all-time fighter leota machida he pretty much choked him out standing up against the cage like in such a dope way he choked him out 
like in a, I don't know, like a front facing guillotine. I don't know. So he had him like in a headlock kind of thing. And just, they were both standing and Leo Machida's back was pressed up against the, the cage. John Jones felt him go limp and he pretty much choked him out. He let him go. He just let go and walked away like a fucking assassin. And Leo Machida was just knocked out. The ref didn't even know that he, he had passed out and John Jones just choked him out and just dropped him right there and walked away and um so he he's known for you know stuff like that and like flying knees and spinning elbows and 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 very crafty creative um entertaining type of fights to watch this fight uh in his return to ufc 187 was not that but he did win and um, many people are saying that if daniel cormier did actually fight him at uh in this his first fight back that uh daniel cormier could have won um because it wasn't the usual john dominating john jones that we're used to seeing but that is yet to be seen and um the moral of the story is that john jones you know now with uh daniel cormier um feeling better i guess and healed up and shit they are going to fight at ufc 200 which is you know being promoted to be the biggest ufc ever and um was definitely going to be like hands down without a doubt going to be because uh, conor mcgregor the ufc's recent you know huge hype fucking machine in and of himself uh was gonna make sure of that and um the that brings me to my next point um little segue there that the reason why john jones and daniel cormier are going to fight at ufc 200 because they weren't uh going to before is because conor mcgregor and uh nate diaz uh their second fight which was going to headline ufc 200 uh is not going to happen and so here's the deal with that for those of you that don't know conor mcgregor pretty much has been the like i said the ufc's like huge media uh soundbite machine yeah just churning out shit that the media wants and puts out and um has been promoting the fuck out of the ufc and much to his uh benefit as well obviously the company's benefit the promotion's benefit but much to his benefit because in the ufc the way it works is that the fighters get paid uh not very much and you know in comparison to like boxing or something like that um but fighters get paid a certain amount and then the headliners or the the main card i think it's all the main card um but the main card get uh, a percentage of the pay-per-view buys and the you know like the headliner will get a higher percentage the headlining fight will get a higher percentage than the co-headlining fight and so forth i think it's like tiered like that and they make more from that percentage than they do from actually being paid um for example i think connor's like on paper was paid like a million bucks or something like that to fight nate diaz the first time but he cleared well over 10 million dollars after um, his percentage breakdown with uh the pay-per-view buys so it's like a the fact that he's so good at promoting it and and that like the self-promotion thing it's a benefit for the company and as well for him because he's that's where he's making the bulk of his money now there uh there's been recent controversy people are calling it a power play and there's people that fall on both sides of 
of what I'm about to tell you guys, which is that Connor opted not to, uh, I guess, live up to his obligations, contractual obligations in terms of promoting the fight as much as uh, the UFC would want him to. And he said that he's training and he doesn't want to take his mind off from training. And, you know, it's a serious fight for him. And he's like in Iceland somewhere training and he's not going to fly to to Vegas and then to New York. And then, um, you know, uh, what, like three months away from when the fight is is supposed to take place. And, uh, you know, have to do press and all this draining media. Uh, that he's been accustomed to as of late that uh, he has himself stated that you know it's it's fucking too much and it's beginning to interfere with my purpose of this whole thing which is to to fight and and to be a martial artist etc so i'm not gonna do it and from his point of view i guess he's looking at it like i've made the most money than any other fighter for the ufc and for myself and other motherfuckers need to step up and do more media i guess etc etc um, from the UFC standpoint, uh, mainly, uh, I'm not going to say mainly, but Dana White is the president of the UFC. He's a part owner of the UFC with the Fertitta brothers. And um, he is the the uh, figurehead as well. Um, not not like in the literal sense, like he doesn't have any like real say because he is an owner and um, the president of it. But he is the spokesman of it. You know what I mean? So figurehead in that sense. And... Uh, from his standpoint, he says that fighters are contractually contractually obligated to promote the fight. We are a promotion, and uh, you can't, you know, nobody's nobody's too big to do that, and like nobody's bigger than the actual, you know, company or or thing itself, and that part of your job aside from fighting is to promote the fight these are your promotional obligations and if you don't want to do them then you get pulled from the fight people thought that he was bluffing because when um, several people or analysts have broken down the numbers of the draw difference of in terms of pay-per-view buys and stuff like that by not allowing conor mcgregor to fight the ufc is technically leaving an estimated 45 million dollars on the table and um uh when uh, Dana White said that he has to, you know, go to Vegas or whatever and make it to to that first promotional uh, event or skirmish uh, or he's not going to be in UFC 200. Then Connor um, like tweeted out and made public or made a, like a Facebook post, I think, and said that. Uh, what was it? Oh, I skipped a step, by the way. He tweeted one day that he was retiring young he didn't he didn't say that he was retiring now he just said retiring young most people took it as okay he's gonna fight you know a few more times and then retire and still be relatively young because i think he's not even 30 yet he's like 27 28 years old um then the whole thing came with him now wanting to do the press uh you know touring and shit and and then uh dana white said what he said uh, for the UFC, and then um, Connor wound up tweeting out again. I'm back in UFC 200. Uh, shout out to to Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta for for putting together uh, this fight and event for the fans that the fans want to see. And then <laughs> the UFC pretty much said we never said that he's back on, so we don't know what he's talking about, type of thing. 
And if he doesn't make it to Vegas, then he's officially out of the fight. Conor McGregor said he can't make it to Vegas, but he'll make it to the next one in New York, uh, like a week or two later or something like that. And uh, the UFC said, all right, then you're out, basically. And you're not fighting in UFC 200. So they called his bluff, left an estimated $45 million on the table. And it is what it is. Now, here's my take on the situation. I say that all right there's certain fighters um like Roy McDonald which is a very like a high profile fighter um and uh, I want to say I forget his name but something Johnson which is another you know not as high up there as Roy McDonald who you know has like fought for the title he's like a number one two or three in his in his uh weight class um, who had an, that epic fight with Robbie Lawler, um, where their Robbie Lawler's lift came out looking like a cleft lip, and Roy McDonald's face came out looking like a fucking like fucking Will Smith in in what's that movie Hitch when he when he needs Benadryl and shit, and he's running through the fucking pharmacy, and his face just blows up like that. That's how Roy's face looked after that fight. Uh, but an epic fucking fight. Um. Anyway, the uh, couple fighters have been siding with Conor McGregor and stating and, you know, Conor McGregor's main, I guess, point here um, is that it's not fair for fighters who are paid to fight to be obligated to do all of this promotion and, um, you know, get pulled away from training and stuff like that, uh, which a lot of fighters have said in the past. And these two fighters have sided, um, and probably others too, but these are two, uh, the ones that I know, have sided with uh, Connor and that type of, of mentality and thinking. There are other fighters that, uh, you know, side, like Cain uh, Velasquez and um, like uh, Frank Mir, which I heard recently on Chael Sonnen's podcast, You're Welcome, is the name of the podcast. Uh, those of you that don't know, quick tangent here, Chael Sonnen was like the shit talking guru of the ufc um and just you know a big big mouth promoter uh, type of guy before connor came along and just fucking eclipsed him but he has his own podcast he's had it for a while i've never heard it before but i recently um started listening to it i've heard like three episodes i want to say and it's pretty good um he he gets like a bunch of fighters on there and um and he's a good talker he's a good he's a he's a good uh bullshit he's entertaining to listen to and um uh does good interviews so from what i've heard so far which is a small sample size but he uh frank me on his podcast also had a very good point and um fighters like him and kane velasquez pretty much uh, lean towards the side of the ufc of the organization um frank Mir had a uh, a great point of saying that you know he just like other other fighters have always thought that you know the media obligations and and promoting the fight were a bit much and they always you know they they feel like when they have to get pulled out of their training to you know do these these weekends and radio show interviews and and west bubble fuck uh, where we're you know doing morning shows and like weird shit like that that does, probably doesn't really sell the fight. Um, that 
they don't feel good about that, but that their uh, Frank Mir said his only like saving grace was the fact that his opponent would have to do it too. Um, so it kind of like evens out the playing field a little bit. And but that it's part of the job. It comes with the territory. And um, my personal take on it is that this becoming a situation is important in the sense that it will, it should force the UFC. I mean, I have absolutely no idea, obviously, what UFC contracts look like. But I would imagine that if something like this has been tested, um, if you want to call it that, by Conor McGregor or any other fighter, um, like Nate Diaz, I believe, was the only one, only fighter to ever do it in UFC history, not, you know, go out to do some promotional tours. And he got pulled from uh, from his fight um, back in the day. Uh, or Nick Diaz, actually, which is the brother of Nate Diaz, the guy that just fought uh, Conor McGregor for, which this was going to be the the uh, rematch for. Um if there's some sort of gray area which is my assumption because i don't see how if something's you know in contract and writing if you don't live up to it, it should it i don't think it would become this big of a story if it was that um i believe there is probably some gray area within the contract and this would help clarify that clarify those terms and force i guess the ufc and fighters alike to come to agreements within the contract that aren't just uh you know quote unquote if this is the case again i'm speculating quote unquote as part of this fight that you're signing contract for you also have to do um your media obligations or something like that this should ultimately uh like i said force the uh the two parties being like the ufc executives and fighters to come together and form um you know clear clearly defined roles of okay eight weeks out from the fight zero media obligations the weekend before i'll do you know five hours worth or whatever the fuck you know um something that i would like to see something like that happen so that a situation like this in theory can't happen again you know what i mean and if it does it's very very black and white very easy to to handle you either meet the obligations of the contract or you don't and if you don't you don't fight and if you don't fight you don't get paid like that type of thing or you know you get penalized or whatever the case is um but something that's more clearly defined i think leaving it uh gray and nuanced uh uh creates an environment where the possibility of something like this happening happens so that's the positive side as i see it of the situation the negative side um is that one we don't get to see a rematch between Connor and Nate, which I would have uh, really liked to see. And more so to that point, though, like where I stand on the situation, I would say that aside from being a bold, uh, you know, kind of necessary step, I think, in the whole, you know, uh, getting fighters more rights and, 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 unionizing if you will which is something that may come about from this type of situation and um uh you know like with the whole reebok deal and a lot of fighters getting getting played and getting uh not getting their quote fair share of of things like in the interim while the ufc transitions into you know being being um becoming you know 
a very huge type of sport, which in my opinion, like the long-term play of the Reebok deal uh, is like a stepping stone in that direction. But unfortunately, the fighters that are fighting now are not benefiting from it because they used to make more money from the smaller uh, sponsors that used to pay directly to the fighters. And um, uh, the Reebok deal pretty much squashed that, but it's a better look for the company as a whole, which now gets into like ESPN and, and stuff like that. And the next step stone, you know, maybe like Nike deals and, you know, bigger, bigger deals down the line, bigger money deals down the line for the company as a whole, which eventually should trickle down to the fighters. But right now, the fighters that are going through the transition period are getting fucked. So this type of situation, I guess, balances that a little bit and puts a little bit more bargaining chips on the side of the fighters which is uh important for them and for like the balance of the of the sport so i can definitely appreciate that aspect of it however in terms of uh the rule like it is what it is like you're right now it's not it's not clearly defined so it's it kind of like uh the situation uh tips towards uh the favor of the UFC because it's not clearly defined so like it kind of like um you know say it is you know say it is what it is which it is <laughs> it's it's you know you have to do media obligations these are your media obligations and go do them and um so it takes balls for Connor to to uh, pull something like this but he's the person with the leverage that could do it so it's kind of like noble in the sense too um he's sitting pretty in terms of money and um he has the financial ability to do it in that sense he kind of has like the enough fuck you money to to pull something like this and leave money on the table um to force this type of change to happen and but taking the the situation in and of itself aside from like that big picture you know eventual uh effects or ramifications of this um uh the ufc is completely in the right and how uh, dana white has said it's not a popular decision but it's the right decision i agree with that 100 percent. you are a fighter part of being a fighter is promoting the fights that you're in and um parts of being part of the biggest fighting organization or biggest promoter being the ufc is is making good on those media obligations and you've taken it upon yourself technically uh um conor mcgregor to become this this entity that the media craves and who that the media puts in requests for so the media requests conor mcgregor and like um, Chael Sonnen said with his um, uh, funky suits and quirky accent and um, that gives like these really awesome sound bites time and time again. The media puts in requests for certain fighters to interview certain fighters and Conor McGregor gets the lion's share of those of those uh, requests just like Ronda Rousey did. And some people say she got burned out from that um and you know like uh like all the big time fighters normally do get the line share of media requests and connor's just you know push that to like a whole different level so but technically like i said it's like a self-fulfilling type of prophecy did it for and 
to himself kind of and you know but much to his obvious benefit and that's just part of it so it's kind of like um i don't know if this is gonna make sense to anyone especially if anyone that hasn't seen this comedy special or, or um hopefully you guys can follow me in making uh, this connection here but uh sebastian maniscalco in one of his uh, stand-up specials he says something that that i always like i i resonated so much with me and i spoke about this before when i when i told you guys that i saw that special but see if you can follow me on this one if you guys have seen it um not gonna say the joke exactly obviously but he says something to the effect of being in a in uh, ice cream uh, like parlor and you know people that ask for samples of like 13 different ice creams before they pick the one that they're gonna that they're gonna actually order and they're you know with the little tiny sample spoons and stuff like that and he says that he's not that type of person that he's like you know if he wants to try a different type of ice cream he says you know give me a cone of that and afterwards when he eats it if he doesn't like it and then he says yeah i fucked up who get you know but it is what it is <laughs> so i kind of liken that type of mentality to how i feel about conor mcgregor's situation so it's like you became this monumental behemoth fucking uh you know fighter that was able to promote the ufc to like new levels and you know your paychecks have warranted it and all that and now it's it's gotten to a point where it's fucking with your training and stuff like that which is like counterintuitive because it's kind of like your your it's what got you to the dance type of thing so you don't want it to encroach in that but yeah you you fucked up you know what i mean like in that like that type of mentality like it's not like fucked up fucked up but it's kind of like you reap what you sow or you sow what you reap what's that saying you reap what you sow that's how it goes and um yeah it's just part of it you gotta roll with it for now and by doing what you're doing it is admirable 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 and hopefully it does uh create the type of change where it can um spawn a type of environment where the fighters don't have to promote as much or just use their maybe they could leverage their like twitter followers or something like that like someone like a kevin hart uh i've heard does that with his movies where uh he would ink a deal for a movie and then the the producers of the movie would say okay um and you know you have uh 45 million followers on twitter you can uh, tweet the movie uh as well which will help it do better numbers and kevin Hart was like hey that's that's not part of this deal like i i inked this deal to act in this movie um if you want my 45 million twitter followers we got to go back to the table and you know negotiate something else uh because that's separate that's mine you don't automatically get that from me um which is a, a smart type of play for uh fighters that are able to leverage that that type of thing maybe that's something they could say you know what i have to promote i don't know fucking 10 hours a, a weekend or something like that but i have you know 10 million followers on twitter if i tweet to them a few things how many hours less can i you know how many hours of that 10 can i minus off so i could focus more on training i don't know what the fucking um best way to calculate that shit out would be but you guys get what i'm saying right there's should be different ways to be able to to accommodate the, and achieve the same goal and um yeah that's how i feel about that
Jesus, I've been talking for half an hour already. I didn't think I was going to speak that much on that. All right, so uh, let's get to TV shows and movies. And I'm going to make this kind of quick because I wasn't planning on this episode being so long. I'm going to try to make it quick, but I'm fucking long-winded as fuck. And um, uh, let's see. Let's go through it. So I got uh, two shows and three movies to mention. House of Cards, such a fucking amazing show. I love politics. Um, I love the the peeking behind the curtain sense that the show gives you. Uh, House of Cards is beautifully written. It's uh, if you guys haven't seen, it, it's about uh, Congress and um, now the presidency and the state senate and just like that federal level of government and the underhanded backdoor deals that uh, they speculate happen throughout uh you know down there in in this functional washington dc and kevin space is just an amazing actor and there are um um i forget her name but jenny from forrest gump she's awesome too and there's a, a slew of other like dope characters uh and um uh characters with depth and and oh the writer the writer guy he's back in this season also um he which was a guy that i I think i mentioned to you guys that i saw in the subway in new york city and walked by him he was also in boardwalk empire and um uh he has a really dope character i really like his character um probably because i fancy myself a writer and he plays a writer on the show and um I forget his fucking name, though. Paul Sparks. There you go. He played Mickey Doyle in Boardwalk Empire. And he is in uh, House of Cards as well. This season, each season just gets better and better. It's Netflix is just doing amazing shit with the shows that I've seen on Netflix. And, um, like, their Netflix uh, originals. And House of Cards is, is definitely my top favorite one on there. And this last season, I am not done with it. So I'm not going to spoil anything for any of you. But it is uh, really dope. And I am, I I think I'm like three or four episodes out from being finished with it. So uh, definitely check that out if you guys haven't already. So dope. Recommend it a lot. Next up, Better Call Saul. What a dopely written show as well vince gilligan and peter gould uh creators and writers of uh breaking bad which is arguably one of the greatest shows of all time up there with the wire and uh like the sopranos uh better call saul uh, is a spin-off show of that and i had I started watching Better Call Saul just off the strength of how good Breaking Bad was and the respect for that show. And Better Call Saul just became its own thing instantly and draws you right in. Um, And that's in my, again, guys, I'm biased with with writing. I think everything is writing, um, which not think, everything really is writing. But... um, you you know obviously you have uh, the elements of direction and uh the actual acting that is put into 
TV shows and movies and stuff like that. But I think that without, I think you can have shitty acting and direction with excellent writing and still be able to appreciate it, appreciate like a project. Whereas if you have shitty writing with uh, really good acting and directing, it's you don't necessarily get to that same place. So I think writing is everything um, or enough of it to be said to be everything. And obviously the other elements are extremely important as well. I, I don't want to downplay the work of actors like Bob Odenkirk and, and uh, Jonathan Banks on um, um, and uh, on Better Call Saul or uh, Michael McKean, which is uh, pay, plays Saul's brother, who plays like a sick role too. Really dope role. Um, and uh, but the way it's written, the way uh, Vince Gilligan and, and Peter Gould uh, write this stuff, and obviously the writing team, but the way they they plot out the, their stories and it's just so fucking awesome you're so into it and and this season was was very it doesn't let you down at all and it keeps you keeps you in it and you're waiting each and every episode you're waiting like to see when jimmy mcgill turns into saul goodman and what the fuck is it that's going to make him turn and uh part of me like when uh spoiler alert um when his brother falls and hits his head in the in the copy place and the show just ends like that on that cliffhanger you think you know maybe his brother dies and then out of the guilt he changes his name and fucking flees or something like that um but that doesn't happen and then um the way it ends with the brother kind of conning uh saul and catching him in uh, his lie and making him confess and stuff like that and then getting it on tape and all that um the way he pulls all that shit off and that sick dynamic uh love hate relationship that that they have and it's like his brother is not a bad guy at all he just kind of like resents him he resents uh um jimmy and um or not him for well he does resent him but he resents the fact that more so i think that people love him and when they shouldn't because he's not a good guy and um he is kind of like uh even though his heart is like in the right place he doesn't do the right things and um uh whereas the brother's more of like a straight arrow kind of guy and uh did everything like by the book and feels that he should be getting that type of like love and admiration which he does get, but only in his professional career, but nowhere else. Um, so it's such a, like a deep characters, both of them. And, um, uh, the show just, uh, ended beautifully and hats off to Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould for the way they write and the way they inspired me to want to learn how to write or want to be able to write one day. Um, I will say this though, this is com again, complete and utter speculation and, but where's the fun? And watching shows like this if you can't anticipate or or kind of like create in your own head what where the show should go or where you think it's gonna go not where it should because i wouldn't be that fucking vain but you guys know those black and white scenes like flashback type scenes where they seem to show uh um bob odenkirk's character you know uh, whether he's jimmy or saul at that point i don't know I'm guessing he was Saul. 
because uh, in one of those flashbacks he writes like on the wall um sg was here Saul goodman was here um seems to he seems to be in like, some sort of like witness protection program in the middle of nowhere usa and he is miserable obviously and most people say that that's after that's what happens after breaking bad where he winds up um when he like leaves and disappears at the end and um you know he wanted to win his protection basically i have a theory which is a little out there but my theory of what those black and white flashback scenes are is that something happened to jimmy mcgill not that makes him become Saul Goodman, but that makes him have to go into this witness protection. While he's in this witness protection program, he is so miserable that he creates this Saul Goodman character and finds some sort of legal loophole in being able to, you know, change his name and his identity and retain his, his, uh, uh, which I'm call it his fucking uh, lawyership, ESQness, fucking bar exam accolades or whatever, and you know still be a lawyer basically, uh, but change his name into being Saul Goodman, and that's why he writes SG was here because that's a seminal moment in that uh, point in time of the character where he decides, okay, I'm Saul Goodman, but I'm leaving this shit behind this witness protection shit now i'm Saul kidman and i'm gonna go and be my breaking bad self that's what i think that black and white shit is we shall see when and if that is true or if that prediction becomes true i guess <laughs> um let me know what you guys think about that next all right so those are the two shows that i wanted to mention house of cards you guys can watch that shit on amc and the i'm sorry house of cards you can watch on netflix and uh better call saul is on amc now three movies that i've seen recently barbershop three that i saw in the movie theater i had absolutely zero interest in seeing this movie uh when i heard that it was coming out uh, i had never seen barbershop two except that it was on tv the other day because you know they're promoting uh, barbershop three so they play you know when new movies come out they start playing fucking the old ones on tv uh barbershop one i saw and i liked and i thought it was funny it was a cool movie but i was never really that into watching barbershop two and i never did until like i said the other day when it was on tv and i saw some of it um and it seemed okay barbershop three i uh s decided to watch because um we were going to watch my big fat greek wedding because my fiance loves that movie and it wasn't playing at the theater that we go to so we decided uh from the other movies that were playing barbershop three um would be the one that we would go see and i was down to go see it also because i was definitely gonna watch it uh, but i was thinking of you know watching it when it comes out like on dvd or something and uh not in at the theater but uh, i was i was down to watch it because i saw eve's uh, Eve, which is, you know, Eve, the the rapper, uh, Rough Rider chick that uh, is in the Barbershop movies. And she did a recent, uh, doing her, you know, 
promotion and uh, and press for the movie did a recent uh breakfast club interview i watched breakfast club interviews um uh pretty frequently and she did one of them and uh the way she described the movie and how she said she wasn't even down really interested in doing it but the way that they wrote her character and her character was like about something now and and kind of like grew as as a character um she decided that she she was down to do it etc and then um i spoke about the comedic elements of the movie and how they address uh or do their best at addressing uh the violence uh going on in chicago now um with all the killings and, and gang violence and stuff like that um i thought it would be interesting to watch the way she described it um so good job on selling me on that eve and um who's now married to like some billionaire fucking british designer dude or something like that which is which is weird and she's like spoke about that not weird whatever but it's just unexpected i guess um and she spoke about you know living in london now and you know she's helping raise uh her stepkids and and stuff and it's uh it's weird coming from eve um but it's dope um and the movie i I really liked it i laughed a lot I fucking got emotional at fucking some points in time, which I wouldn't expect from a fucking barbershop movie. And, uh, but I'm a little bitch when it comes to, to certain scenes and certain, um, uh, relationship dynamics within movies. And, uh, it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it and recommend it for you guys to check it out also. And check out that, um, uh, barbershop interview with Eve, which if I'm not mistaken, my monday my midday monday morning boost letter which i've told you fucks to sign up for some of you have uh which you can sign up for it's today.com forward slash subscribe is a once weekly letter that i send out and i put five things on there a picture of the week a video of the week a podcast of the week a quote of the week and a word of the week and the video of the week for, if I'm not mistaken, last week's uh, Midday Monday Boost Letter or this upcoming Midday Monday Boost Letter, which you get midday on Monday, every Monday at 12 p.m. Uh, the video of the week is the the actual interview with Eve and um, uh, The Breakfast Club. And um, I thought it was a, just a dope interview in and of itself, aside from the movie promotion uh, part, uh, which got me to watch the movie. I thought it was an interesting, interesting interview in this, just to see the, uh, I don't want to say the growth of Eve, but just her as a person now, you know, from the Rough Rider, uh, DMX days, uh, where I enjoyed her music to see where she's at now. Uh, it's just interesting to me and, uh, she seemed like a cool chick and it was a cool, cool interview that I laughed in and enjoyed. So that became the video of the week for the midday monday boost letter check it out um yeah check out the movie next deadpool i saw last night shout out to raul and judy saw it at their crib with my girl and um it was very unexpectedly good to be honest um i i like ryan reynolds by the way uh, i enjoy his acting i am actually probably the one person in the world that i've ever uh, amongst the people that I've ever spoken to or mentioned that I actually like the Green Lan- Lantern movie and I like his sarcastic style of of comedic acting and um, I don't know I fucking uh, like his movies 
and uh, Deadpool, I didn't want to see. I didn't even want to see it. It was like one of those movies where I was like, eh, I don't really ever want to see that. Um, but, you know, unfairly never giving it a shot type of thing. Because the way it was promoted was just so fucking weird. It was like up for uh, comedy awards. And uh, I, if uh, my girl told me that, that it won uh, like action choreography scene you know fighting scene awards stuff like that so it's like an action and a comedy but it was also being promoted you know it came out on, on valentine's day it was also being promoted as a love story and it's like all those things like don't go together right you would think they don't go together but they did in this movie and it was interesting and um i really loved the aspect of the fact that it's a marvel movie but it wasn't made for like not made for kids you know what i mean like not made in the pg-13 fashion like it's very gruesome which was cool uh it's it's a shitload of cursing um from a quote-unquote superhero and which you don't expect which was pretty dope um it's sexual it's it's grown up it's like a grown-up fucking marvel movie and i enjoyed it a lot and there was a love story in there which was cool and um, it really, it, it was a good movie. If you fucking enjoyed it. Uh, check it out if you if you guys had any like doubts in watching it, uh, similar to mine. Um, you should watch it. And last but not leastly, Concussion. Will Smith should have absolutely been nominated for an Oscar for this movie. I am officially going on the record in saying that. At first, without seeing the movie i you know the whole oscars to black thing uh oscars to white thing um uh which stems from i think the uh it's like a it's like a systemic thing uh, it's not necessarily that um the people in hollywood now are racist or or purposely leave out uh, blacks and Latinos from, you know, certain prestigious, you know, to them awards or whatever, um, which is not, you know, the last, uh, Rappaport says this all the time, uh, the last two years, a Mexican dude won the director of the year type of thing, but no uh, black actors uh, that could have been nominated were nominated. And people say, okay, so, well, you know, it's just happens to be that there's more white people acting which you know could be an issue um uh that that could be looked at or should be rather and uh in my opinion it's more like the the you know if you have a whole bunch of old white dudes picking movies then a whole bunch of old white dudes are going to pick the type of movies that a whole bunch of old white dudes like to watch and it's kind of like duh you know what i mean so it's like systemically comes from that and it's not necessarily from a, a, a place of racism, or, although it could be. Um, I would say more like institutionalized, if anything, and or if at all. And But it's just coming from a place where old white dudes pick old white dude shit. You know what I mean? If it was a fucking the Latin Grammys, or I don't know. That's probably a bad, <laughs> bad fucking analogy, but you're going to get a, a bunch of Latin shit. You know what I mean? So, anyway, uh, 
people say, you know, who could have been nominated then that was black. Um, and people have said uh, Will Smith for concussion. People have said uh, Edris Elba for uh, Beast of No Nation, which I haven't seen yet. And maybe I'll watch it tonight, actually. Um, sounds like a good idea. Because uh, I've been meaning to watch it. And that movie is a Netflix original movie. And uh, Netflix is a shit. So I want to check that one out for myself. But um, Will Smith should have absolutely been nominated because i've seen and i've seen most if not all of the movies that were up for like movie of the year and include include <laughs> including damn that thing is good girl <laughs> uh shout out to tracy morgan um but uh yeah will, will smith absolutely is he i don't know he gets he gets flack i think for being um from some people just for playing like the same type of role in every movie like he's saving the world in every movie men in black he saved the world fucking uh i am legend he was the only person in the world and saving fucking human civilization independence day saved the world you know like he plays that type of role um you can say that about a lot of actors fucking uh like denzel uh which is it not even arguably uh, is one of the best actors ever um always plays that confident I got swag and G type of fucking role. You know what I mean? Like he plays that confident. I own the room type of role in his movies. Um, and you know, Will Smith has, has, uh, uh, in my opinion, an uncanny ability and I'm biased. Cause I've been a fan of Will since fucking the fresh Prince. And since day one, um, and to see him grow like this as an actor is like to me amazing. But in my opinion, he has the ability to, be so good at the roles that he plays that you forget it's will smith you know what i mean in my opinion and he did that with ali which i saw recently for the first time um i hadn't seen it before i know i'm mad late on that one uh but he did that in this role too uh in concussion of the doctor uh that he portrayed which is based on a true story by the way for those of you that don't know and the controversy of the nfl trying to suppress information about concussions being bad for the players and the effects that they're having on players and players fucking going crazy and killing people and shit like that um or you know hurting themselves they didn't kill people hurting themselves and their families and and just going nuts and dying early from uh the effects of concussions and he played this role so well that i, I forgot it was will smith playing it like throughout many points in the movie i was like oh shit that's will smith <laughs> and one of the biggest criticisms also of the movie is which was a, a critique of mine even just from um what's his accent from listening to the like the commercials of how they promoted the, promoted the movie which again is another movie that was promoted in a way that wasn't good promotion i think just like uh deadpool it didn't want to make me see it it made me want to not see it actually and concussion i just wanted to see it off the strength of will smith but and the fact that it was you know based on a true story and i like you know stories like this about um you know industries that that are into like uh, some sort of fuckery and how they get uh exposed kind of thing um and uh but the I thought the same thing as, as, as most people when I saw the the um, commercials for the movie. And I was like, damn, that accent is horrible. Like, it sounds really bad. Like, that African accent that he has. And 
and that's how it came off in in the commercials and some people were like oh well could you be because he's a black guy and he did an accent he deserves an oscar um and no he deserves an oscar because he's a fucking amazing actor and he made you the point of acting to me or the point of watching film to me or movies i don't want to sound douchey saying film but is because you get or, or reading a book or listening to a song or any any type of art you get immersed in the world that is created for you and if you're watching a movie of one of the most well-known actors in the world and you don't you're so immersed in it in the story and in his acting that you don't even remember that it's him playing it he did his job in spades and um just back to the accent thing i've worked with a dude from africa um from nigeria and he sounded exactly like the dude which he didn't sound like in the commercials so in the commercials it sounded like he was doing a bad accent when you watch the movie his accent is spot on african dude fucking accent and it doesn't sound like a fake made up forced accent at all um and i thought of this dude that i that i worked with for years um and my my fiance actually told me the same thing she worked with an african guy uh, in the past as well that has um I think from Nigeria also, if I'm not mistaken, that had like that same exact accent. And it's it was spot fucking on. Just his ability to do that in and of itself is like dope, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, it was a great story. Uh so, um what a heroic fucking doctor to to go up against the NFL like that. Like part part of it you wanna say is is naivete to take on uh behemoth fucking that's the word of the day i guess behemoth <laughs> behemoth fucking organization like the nfl uh a fucking country's institution like the nfl um and part of it is just balls and knowing that when you're right you're right and you fight for what you believe in and it's a really dope story i recommend it like crazy will you got an oscar in my book for whatever that's worth and um that's pretty much it folks that is the episode for this week the random rants episode episode number 46 of the sponsor day podcast i really appreciate the fuck out of all you guys thank you very much for listening and just to do some house cleaning real quick you guys should definitely check out uh something that i i've done a couple of right now uh which uh, is using viral style viralstyle.com forward slash spun today i made a couple t-shirts it's just to to fuck with it just to try out the website the way it works i really like what they're doing it's um especially for you know like guys like me or like any other podcasters out there if you guys are listening uh, it's worth checking out you could design you know it's not some like ralph lauren shit um but you could design your own t-shirt online and um the you know with your podcast logo or a catchphrase or whatever you know design your own t-shirt with whatever the fuck you want on it and uh sell it pretty much through their website they take a pretty bulky cut but you literally don't have to do anything besides design the shirt and promote it um if you sell any you get a cut if you don't sell anything you don't you know you get a cut of zero which is zero but you don't get penalized or anything like that. You don't have to buy anything up front. And so far, uh, it seems pretty dope. So definitely check it out. Viralstyle.com forward slash spun today. I did. Oh, and it's uh, by promotional period kind of 
or what that means rather is you design a shirt you could sell it for seven days or 10 days or whatever it is whatever you decide on and once that window ends that's it you know you could design it again and put it back up or you know try a different design um but yeah there's like that countdown feature to it and um uh yeah check it out you know people buy it it gets directly shipped to to the customers and uh you get your percentage based on how many you sell and etc cetera, etc cetera. The, the site explains it to you check out viralstyle.com forward slash spun today and uh, i think there i have one going on right now which is a, a create t-shirt it says create in the front um but it says create phonetically like how the dictionary spells it with the k r a apostrophe t line over the a t you know like shit like that uh the way it looks in the dictionary and um in the back it says your dreams with an arrow to the left everything else with an arrow to the right and then like a stick figure guy walking towards the left and under that the catchphrase of this podcast in very very tiny letters that you probably have to squint to look at but it kind of looks like a floor under that that a stick figure guy which i designed it like that way on purpose but and you know because it's a super ass long catchphrase which is substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams and um yeah that's pretty much it so check it out uh you guys might like it and use a promo code um this is a promo code which is not my own obviously but whatever if it saves you guys money and it helps promote another podcast which i'm a fan of which is no secret uh rogan's podcast then so be it right why not it's a win-win uh coupon code rogan r-o-g-a-n will save you guys 10 percent if you guys want to check out that my t-shirts or any other t-shirts on there uh aside from that uh whatever check out my website sponsor.com you can check out the affiliate links uh page there and shop on amazon and itunes through any of my my links on there i'll get a cut of that stuff and would appreciate it you can follow me on twitter and instagram at spun today check out the tumblr page spun today podcast.tumblr.com uh, if you guys are into that kind of stuff, uh, subscribe to my YouTube page where all these podcasts go up for free as well. Um, and what else? 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 Rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. That helps the podcast gain in popularity. Other people get exposed to it just because it moves a little bit. It inches its way up the charts. You know what I'm saying? And um, that would be dope if you guys would do that for me. Uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite pod catchers like Pocket Casts, uh, Google Play, I hear has its own um, embedded pocket uh, podcast uh, catcher on there. Um, and if you guys can find it, let me know how because I don't know how to figure it out. I have an iPhone, but I downloaded the Google Play app, uh, which I had a long time ago from just uh, for music purposes, but have not been able to find the podcast area. Anyway that's the episode guys as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams and thank you very much for listening